The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very interesting subject to cover today. But first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you're listening to us upon. It really does help us when you hit that subscribe button and you follow the material that we have it helps spread uh, the message that we're trying to get out it really does help of course you can always visit our social media platforms that has all sorts of material that you can listen to and read be sure to check us out on our fan page especially when you type in at mighty fortress 313 you can also visit our website OurMightyFortress.com. There we have a host of media with all the articles and videos and even a link to our merch store, which, of course, not only has pretty cool gear to ha to actually wear, but it also supports the work. If you feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our established PayPal link on our website. If, of course, we've helped you in some way through our work, we'd love to hear about it at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I would like to bring the next installment in our Science Delusion series. This is a series whose grand premise is that the scientific community, the secular scientific community, has lied to the general public for decades. This episode might be a little strange at first, I'll have to throw that warning out, but it's very important in changing how we view ancient man's history. I'm going to talk about what is called the mystery of the cocaine mummies. <laughs> at first, you know, we chuckle when you say that because you're like, wait, what? Cocaine mummies? What in the world? But... This sheds an important light upon ancient man, and it completely disrupts the evolutionary timeline that's given by secularists. First, I want to give the background to this story, and it's going to be kind of a a history lesson in a sense, but I'm going to, I'm going to recall some of the uh, very important details of this discovery, and it was made by a very reputable scientist. It's very important to listen to the details. We're going to go over those key details and how this pertains to ancient man's history because it explains a lot to what we tend to see in archaeology around the world. 
finally, we're going to link this with scripture and how God did not create a bunch of knuckle-dragging apes that he would call man. This is another episode that intends to build the individual Christian's faith in God and his plan for mankind. With that introduction, let's get right into this. This story actually begins about 3,000 years ago to around the point of 1,000 BC with an ancient priestess, an Egyptian priestess named Henetawi, otherwise known as the Lady of the Two Lands. Like many Egyptian pharaohs and queens, priests and priestesses, she was mummified and placed in a tomb that would lay undisturbed for those 3,000 years, till about the time of 1892. Her tomb was plundered, and her body was sold. Of course, during this time, you had the mass push in Egypt for mummies and the fascination of the wealth of Egypt. Plenty of tombs were being plundered at this time, and even the mummified bodies of ancient kings and queens were sold to the highest bidder. Well, this particular priestess, her body was sold to the king of Bavaria, who would then donate it to the museum in Munich, Germany. There, that particular mummy would sit for over a 100 years undisturbed until about 1992 with an experiment that was going to be conducted. Researchers began a huge experiment to investigate what ancient people went through during their mummification. Of course, this has always been a fascination of ours. We, we see mummies and the gold and the wealth that would be in their tombs. They've even made Hollywood movies of, of the scary sort, in a sense, uh, and dramas even dealing with mummies and ancient Egyptians. Well, for this particular ancient priestess, a well-known forensic Toxologist named Slavlana Balvanova used antibodies to determine if drugs and other substances were used during the mummification process. She extracted the samples and then ran them through a particular machine that could determine the substance's molecular weight. This would help figure out what exact substances were used during the mummification process. After the test was completed, the results would be absolutely shocking because they read that Hennet Towie's body contained high doses of nicotine and cocaine. When Balabanova saw these results, it absolutely shocked her because tobacco and the coca plant both came from South America and there was no current scientific evidence that they grew anywhere else in the world. So the question was, how did ancient Egyptian mummies contain such substances? That would definitely be running through Balabanova's mind as she gathered fresh samples and sent them to another lab to try to get some cross, you know, examination to, well, maybe she messed up somehow or, or whatever. Like the results got contaminated or whatever. So she sent it to a different lab with fresh uh, samples. And they too came back positive for nicotine and cocaine. After this, she decided to publish a paper titled 
quote, first identification of drugs in Egyptian mummies. Now, to a little bit of a background to why this is exactly important, it was first believed that Sir Walter Raleigh introduced tobacco from the Americas and the coca leaf would be introduced during the Victorian period. If these plants only grew in, a, in the Americas, that means that ancient peoples had worldwide trade taking place. You would think that the scientific world would be just super happy at such a, an amazing discovery, but they weren't. The overwhelming consensus was that Balabanova was lying or that the mummy was contaminated from the outside, maybe from some type of source after her death or in the transportation of the mummy or whatever. Remember, this was no rookie scientist either. Balabanova was a very accomplished scientist in her field. As Christians, of course, we know that the truth is, is that Balabanova was brutally harassed by the scientific community because her paper would strike a major blow to the evolutionary timeline. After being called a fraud by the scientific community, she decided to test the hair follicles in a way that's done usually in criminal cases. If the person had consumed or had been given drugs before death, this specific test would prove it. She took the hair follicles from uh, Hemantawi and then washed them in alcohol. The solution itself that the hair follicles was washed in was then tested. Well, if that solution came back positive for drugs, then that means that the mummy was contaminated by an outside source. If the test was negative and the hair follicles themselves still tested positive, then that means that the mummified woman had indeed consumed tobacco and the coca leaf before she died. Now, keep this in mind that we also have to know that this kind of test has already put murderers in prison. There was a well-known case in which there was a son who killed his parents by giving him poison first, and they were able to prove that through this test and put him in prison. That being said, that this is not a test that just wasn't known. Everybody knew about this famous test. The results did turn out legitimate. And that's very important because, once again, you would think that the scientific world would say, wow, what a huge victory. But that's not the case. Balabanova was still called a liar and a cheat, and her research was not taken seriously. It did provoke more testing by other Egyptologists that try to disprove her. Uh, <laughs> and they try to go to other Egyptian mummies from different time periods and that kind of thing. Well, guess what? Many of them did come back uh, testing positive for nicotine and cocaine, but more nicotine than cocaine, which is interesting. Even the great King Ramses, the one that did the most conquering in the, and supposedly built a lot of things during the Egyptian period. There's also questions about that, but that's for another podcast talking about ancient man. Well, anyways, even the great King Ramses contained traces of nicotine within the skeleton. Think about what these results are saying. There was a transatlantic trade by ancient peoples. That means that man 
was indeed smart enough to navigate the open ocean and conduct international trade. Let me tell you something, that's no easy feat. Now, we also have to keep in mind that several hundred years later than uh, Hennet Tawi's death was the Roman Empire's emergence. Remember, she was around, you know, 1,000 to 900-something uh, B.C. You would have the Romans arise in about five, 500 B.C., 400 B.C., and really from there on. It was once doubted that the Romans themselves and their great civilization had the naval technology strong enough to navigate the Indian Ocean to trade with the Gupta Empire in India. This was until a very detailed map emerged of how exactly to do it, and it showed that they had the shipping technology available to do it. But, in fact, they also knew the ocean and the waves because it was tricky to travel during different seasons, and they knew how to do that. And that was about 900 years later than the Egyptian priestess's lifetime. But, now think about this, what we're talking about here was trade with the Americas. What's fascinating about this is that there's already growing evidence that Asia had trans-Pacific trade relations with South Americans. The sweet potato, peanuts, and even maize, or corn, has been found in Asia. And guess what? Only such grows in South America. It's been demonstrated in our modern time that ancient ships could in fact navigate the open ocean. And there's evidence, growing evidence more and more, that they used more advanced vessels. Now when I say advanced vessels, we're not talking about the Victorian age European type of ships. But the evidence is growing that ancient peoples figured out how to travel the open ocean and conduct trade. Someone could be like, so you're telling me that there was an international drug trade that took place as well uh, with Balabanova's discoveries? Well, yes and no to that. You have to understand how the ancient world viewed drug use. It wasn't the recreational kind that the modern world partakes in today. The majority of the time, drugs were used for religious purposes, especially hallucinogens. I go more into great length into that in podcast number 27, Dancing with Devils. So be sure to check that one out if you haven't you know, heard that. Remember that the theory was is that especially with the high levels of nicotine, were found that the levels were so high actually that they're actually fatal. So they came to the conclusion that nicotine itself was used in some sort of ceremonial process. Maybe they fumigated the room or had some sort of ceremony that saturated the body with the tobacco, which would give it the nicotine in the flesh, right? But they couldn't really figure out the whole coca leaf use. They still haven't really come to conclusions how besides the obvious that hey it was traded from south america we can often tend to look at history through 21st century eyes but remember our modern society because of laziness and pleasure and really not having the lack of things especially if you're in the western world i mean we take drug use to a whole new level but that just wasn't the case with ancient man at least not generally so you have to also think about that it was not uncommon for ancient civilizations to rise and fall. 
and with that you would have knowledge that would be gained and lost. It's been recently discovered that the ancient Babylonians had knowledge of trigonometry and complex math. And there's plenty of other civilizations that have those kinds of evidences. Well, when that empire would rise and fall, that information could be lost. Think about a very famous example of what I'm talking about with the Western Roman Empire falling. Think about it. The Western Empire fell, the Roman Empire fell, and you had an entire portion of Europe just fall back into what they call, hey, the Dark Ages, where people literally went from living in sophisticated Roman cities and then going back to living in mud huts. The engineers were slaughtered in war and pestilence and that type of thing, and it just had men descend back into living in filth. This is actually quite common in man's history. You see that kind of cycle with civilizations. There are some pretty important questions to ask about this discovery. The initial research took place in 1992. Think about that. The follow-up experiments took place in the early 2000s. If Balabanova's report was irrefutable, why hasn't the general person heard about such an amazing discovery? In 1992, I was still in grade school, if not middle school during that time. Well, why haven't grade schools or high schools or universities not taught such a revolutionary discovery? It's because, supposedly, Columbus discovered America. And he, of course, being part of a more sophisticated society, would be able to do such a feat, such as transatlantic trade. Essentially, our so-called sophisticated society cannot tolerate that ancient peoples were actually pretty smart because that would interrupt the standard evolutionary narrative. I do have to note that there were scientists and some Egyptologists that actually did agree with Balabanova, but the overwhelming majority did not. The ones that did agree with her admitted that it was out of pride and arrogance that such discovery was not publicized. One commentator had said that, quote, The case of Hennet Tawi shows that in science, facts can be rejected if they don't fit with our beliefs, end quote. Now that is a pretty profound thing to say because Christians have called or have been called unscientific and not been taken seriously when it comes to science. Some of the greatest scientists in the world have been Christians, but if a discovery doesn't line up with the evolutionary narrative, then it's just cast aside no matter what the evidence suggests. Well, wait, I thought science was about discovering truth. Not so much. This kind of discovery actually explains a lot about ancient man's structures and cities that have been built all around the world. It's very, very fascinating when you take a look at these ancient structures. There's also been, obviously, some areas that, you know, hey, expanded and advanced more than others. There's not a general use of technology all around the world, but you see that come and go throughout uh, man's history. But even in what we would call the more primitive parts of the world, some significant engineering feats have been accomplished. Pretty fascinating ones too, by the way. Structures that have been built that just don't make sense how they did it without power tools. It's pretty fascinating. 
There are also a lot of other interesting discoveries that I'd like to talk about, but that goes into other areas, so we'll, we'll save that for future episodes in this series. Christians, it's very important to realize that if man was created in God's image, then he was created intelligent. We see this in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27. It says, quote, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over all every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them." End quote. God, of course, defines those terms. Now, in his book, The Ancient Genius of Man, author Don Landis writes, quote, If intelligent, then there should be evidence of this intelligence. If man gathered at Babel, and God confused man's language as a tool to scatter man over the earth, then commonalities and a connectedness should be found in all areas of the planet, end quote. You know, he's right, because that's exactly what we find in ancient cultures all around the world. We should see aspects of Genesis 1 through 11, including what happened in Babel all over the world. We should see similar stories told in ancient cultures of, say, a flood, for instance, which you do. We see towers and solstice alignments and sun worship, stargazing, sacrifice, and human-centered empire building. Some would say that, well, it still could be evolution, but we just have to push the timeline back millions of years. Well, isn't that convenient? Man will always do what they do best. Try to erase God from the picture. Book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, really talks about this. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." End quote. It is really sad to see that the ones really speaking the loudest about ancient archaeology are the New Age religion folks and their community, and they've really embraced these findings to justify their beliefs. I mean, you'll see all sorts of weird content on YouTube at times when it comes to ancient man, and you may even get an ancient alien theory or two. It's pretty funny. Unfortunately, though, Christians overall have been silent in this field of study, and they haven't presented much of an answer. The previous author I mentioned, Landis, he writes, quote, Regrettably, this specific data has, for several reasons, been ignored, and in some cases rejected outright by Christians, just as mainstream evolutionists have ignored the data because it doesn't fit their 
uniformitarian paradigm, the church has avoided it because it looks strange and meaningless to the truth of the gospel message. End quote. Landis is dead on target with his assessment. Christians overall have taken more of a secular point of view because we just think we figured out everything we need to know about the Bible. And so when it comes to weird topics in archaeology or even about giants, <laughs> that's a podcast for another time coming soon. You know, those kind of topics freak them out and they, it scares them because they just feel like, well, it's not scientific or whatever. <laughs> Needless to say, I mean, we're Christians. We say we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you believe in the supernatural. We really need to gain more of a biblical perspective on the advancement of mankind and see how God plays out his magnificent story through the timeline. What seems like a very funny topic about cocaine mummies and an ancient international drug trade, we do find out that man has a whole lot more sophisticated nature than what mainstream science lets on. There's so much more to talk about this topic, but I'll leave that for future podcasts in the series. I hope that you've been blessed and your faith in God has been strengthened that much more. I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.